0: Hi, this is Jim Felder, and you're listening to MyMac Podcast number 277. You're listening to the MyMac
1: Podcast with your hosts, David Cohen and Guy Searle.
2: Hey my man listeners, it's your incompetent host David Cohen here. I say incompetent, not because of my general level of incompetency, but I particularly outdid myself last week when I messed up the recording of the show and had to fix an awful lot of things in post. Consequently the show is delayed in being issued, and I apologise profusely for that. I'll try very much not to let it happen again. You've just heard from Jim Felder, our listener invite for this week. And we'll get onto the show that Guy and I recorded with Jim in just a few moments. But obviously, we didn't want to let the podcast come out without some comment from ourselves on the Apple iPad event that, at time of recording, happened yesterday. Now, we're fortunate to be able to get Tim Robertson, our former co-host, to join us as a guest. And we, we sat down for a few minutes and just talked through what we thought of the iPad, whether we were interested in buying one for ourselves, what models we thought we would buy if we weren't going to buy one. Uh, and really, what we think this product means for Apple generally. So I'll, I'll, I'll put that segment in now, and then we'll get on to the main show. Hi everybody, and we're going to talk about the Apple iPad. We all uh, we all looked at the uh, live blogs and what we could see of it yesterday, as we were uh, as the keynote was going on. Um, it was all very interesting, and um, to talk about it, I'm joined by Guy Searle, as normal. Hi, you Guy? Yep. Yeah, here I am. And also, we've got Tim Robertson, our former co-host. Uh, currently doing OWC Radio. Good evening, Tim. How are
1: you? Hi. My voice has changed a little bit since the last time I was on the show.
2: Um, you probably won't <laughs> notice any difference, though. No, it sounds, no, I, sounds it's, just fine yeah. to me. <laughs> so, we've been waiting for this thing for a long time. And uh, the <laughs> fair to say, I think, that the, the reception in the tech press has been mixed at best. Yeah. Um, so, what did you guys think?
3: Well... <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep going between God, this is so great. To well, what would I actually use it for? You know, I I, I just keep flip flopping back and forth between there. I, you know, I see some article talking about well, oh, it does this and it does that. And it's like yeah, that, that's kind of useful. And then I'll see something else. Well, it doesn't do this. And it's like ooh, 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 ooh.
2: I think that's that kind of thinking is what's causing the uh, the mixed debate in the press. But Tim, I, I reckon you've got a different view.
1: Well, I look at the, all the coverage that I've seen so far. Um both in other podcasts and uh, reading blog posts and tech journalists and stuff like that. And I find it interesting that the ones who seem to be a little bit more negative are those who haven't actually touched the device. Yeah. As compared to those who have, who say, it's all about the touch. When you actually hold it and use it, you'll get it. Until then, you just won't.
2: Yeah. Well, it struck me. There was two big things that struck me as I was watching the keynote coverage Firstly was um, I kept on thinking about all the people I've heard of over the last couple of years who've said, you know what, I don't need a laptop anymore when I'm traveling. I just have my iPhone with me and that's enough. And then they normally follow that up with, but I wish it had a slightly bigger screen and wouldn't it be great if I could have a keyboard with it? And of course, that's exactly what the iPad is in part that's one of the uh, one of the things it fits, and the other thing is when the price came out, I was absolutely blown away because yeah. anybody was expecting it to be <clears throat> starting at four ninety nine. Do you think the four ninety nine price though
1: is kind of uh, just to lure you in? Well, it's only four ninety nine, and then you get there and you think, well, but mm, you know, for another gigs. sixteen yeah. gigs, for another hundred bucks, we can get the thirty two gig, honey. I think the thirty two gig is the sweet spot. Five yeah. ninety nine, thirty
2: two gigs. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. As a 16-gig iPhone user, um, I've certainly got to the point that I fill the iPhone up quite regularly now. And with a larger screen, I'd put more video on it. So I would definitely want 32 gigs. But I think the 16-gig model is the one that's going to go into schools. And I think at $500 uh, per 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 uh, student, I think they're going to sell a ton of them. It would probably be well, less than that with the educational discount.
3: Absolutely. Well, and, and not only that, but you know, they've got a lot of book publishers that are, that are coming on board And if they can get, if they can get some of the publishers that do, you know, educational books, then, you know, they no longer have, you know, because what is the the biggest expense that they have in in creating books? It's actually printing them. So if, you know, they, they already have to do the layout digitally. So it's really a no brainer just to to throw it up as an ebook. And it's really all gravy at that point. You're basically cutting, cutting out the, uh, the printer altogether and distribution, yeah, and distribution. So yep. instead of instead of you know having to go out and you know slog all your books to to all these different schools, you, you basically send, you know, the principal or whoever it is that, that's in charge of, of getting these books, you send them an email saying, Okay, well well here's a sample copy of, of our latest algebra book and you know take a look at it and let us know what you think. And th- the nice thing about this is if there are any mistakes or any, you know, errors, they can go ahead and correct them and just re upload them. So, you know, there's, there's none of this, well, you know, the War of 1812 really wasn't in 1712, and we're sorry about that, but just pretend it says 1812. So, you know, they don't have to worry about that because they can just yeah. boop, do that little change and it's done.
1: Well, the other thing is if you look at uh, school books, the biggest thing in school books is used school books. They completely demolished that market. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to buy a used ebook. No. But I, I also find it interesting that Apple really didn't, show a subscription-based services for newspapers at all. Um, In fact, what they showed was, hey, newspapers can now make their own custom apps, and it's their newspaper. Right.
2: But, I I, I mean, the App Store already has the – pay mechanism is in for doing some
1: microtransactions absolutely exactly.
2: so so I, I suspect what they're doing is saying well let's not bother trying to cut those deals let's just kind of hand it over to the newspapers and let them get on with it and kind of stay out of the middle of that market they'll they'll take a cut of that subscription because that's their model and they'll take a cut of the application so so they, they're getting their piece of the pie and uh, they don't have to do any effort for it at all. Well, so, it was
3: just kind of surprising that, that you know I, I would have thought that something like that, especially when, when the New York the guys from the New York Times was up there,
2: that it wasn't even brought up or even mentioned. Because that's a um, pay, paying for newspapers is a pretty volatile thing at the moment. There's a lot of different models rattling around, and I suspect um, I, not, neither the New York Times or Apple are, are, are really keen to get in the middle of that right now. Uh, and commit to something, because it's something that's a little bit up in the air. Murdoch's been going on about um, putting different types of paywalls over his content, his newspaper content, so I think there's, there's going to be a bit of a bomb fight in that industry, and, and probably Apple doesn't want to let that middle. divert away from, from the press on the device. What I find interesting about this is the, is the whole book thing. If you look at, um, if you look at what Amazon do... They have a Kindle that's that's two well, two fifty nine something like that. But actually, the the large Kindle, which is what the uh, iPad is is closest to, right? Four, that that also has a nine point seven inch screen. Exactly, and that's four hundred eighty nine dollars. So it's ten dollars less than than the iPad, and the iPad can do so much more.
1: Even uh, even when it comes to just books, I mean, if you absolutely. look at what the books look like, and of course we're seeing the demo, but Still, I mean, it looks like an actual page on a book, whereas the Kindle, quite honestly, looks like
3: 1980s technology. It looks like crap.
2: It yeah, yeah, kind of reminds
3: me, you know, the screen cut to me kind of looks like the old, you know, PowerBook 100s.
2: Well, that's 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 because of the monochrome. I mean, it is yes. very crisp and it's very readable, but it's not color. And, but it's I also mean, a single-use device. Yeah. It's a one-trick yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean we I we have a Kindle that, that we picked up on our last trip and um good as it is for for book reading and it is a good book reader I don't want to put it down. Um it and it has has the wireless in it as well. You, the the web browser really is it's a bit of a joke. I mean it's it's not it's not something you can use seriously at all. Uh, and obviously the Kindle carplay movies um, it can't run applications, though they're talking about doing that. But it's always going to be held back by the refresh rate of the screen, which is measured in uh, hundreds of a second rather than the microseconds you get with an LCD. So um, it's 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 going somewhere different. I, I would imagine Amazon are struggling to kind of figure out how they're going to compete with this now, because of, you've got to remember with the iPad, you have access to the Amazon bookstore just the same way as as you do on an iPhone, because there's no there's no Kindle app. Right. So if you already have a Kindle and you put it up on eBay tomorrow to buy your iPad, then you're not going to lose the books you bought f- through Amazon because they're still there on the iPad using the Kindle app. Now, now Amazon also uses their
3: own custom DRM for their books. They have, like, their own format, don't they? They do. But, but they know, have the is,
1: Kindle app, which which, which reads that format. Well, no, no, yeah, that, so. that, that,
3: that's not where I was going. Um, Apple with the iPad is using, I think it's called EPUB. Yep. Which is yeah, an open e- source, open you know it's open source software, yeah. so it's not it's, it's not an Apple format.
2: No, the Sony Reader uses EPUB as well, and sites like Fictionwise, uh, some and uh, eBook, uh, ebookworld.com and places like that all use um, e- EPUB as well. It's become a, become a fairly ubiquitous standard, but that doesn't mean that the books aren't DRM'd. You can add DRM as a as a layer to EPUB quite easily, and Sony does that, and several of the other book sites do as well. Um, but it is an open standard. I mean, it's fairly easy to take any content and run it through Stanza or something like that and turn it into an EPUB document. So um, that is that is good that the, uh, the the book the book reader supports that EPUB really.
1: You know, I was looking at this. During the keynote and, and pictures and that sort of thing. And then I watched the uh, actual the keynote now. on video finally yeah. came up on iTunes. It was streaming for a while yesterday, but I just don't have the patience. And uh, I want to skip back and forth and at my at my leisure. So obviously I want uh, the podcast video version.
2: Yeah. Which and, is a nice version, by
1: the way. Absolutely. It is. It looks great. So I, I've watched it not all the way through um, in one sitting, but over time now over the last 24 hours. And what I keep coming up with is we're finally in the future. We finally have this thing that we hold in our hand and it does pretty much everything you want it to do, at least the initial version. I mean, there's other things that we would like to see uh, forward and and rear facing camera, true GPS, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I can read anything. I have access to the internet on this thing. So I can read anything that's online online. I could read books. I could watch video. I could watch YouTube. I I can listen to music. I mean, that's the future, isn't it? I mean, you see people walking around in these sci-fi movies that we like to talk about on Geeky Show Ever, for instance, and yeah. they're holding this piece of something and they're and they're browsing through it. They're they're swiping their hands and moving it around. That's exactly what this is.
2: Yeah, if you if you if you've ever watched Star Trek: Next Generation, that's yeah. exactly what they used to do. They had these uh, they had different size slates yeah. that 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 were like glass panels that lit up and, and showed information. That's exactly what the iPad is. I I think a lot of the negative tech press is completely missing the point with this. This is not actually a device that's aimed at at um, computer, us. current computer. Use. No, it's not aimed it's not at us. A, we can make use of it, and I fully expect to make make use of it i'm I'm going to be getting one, and mm-hmm. I can see you know using it in business and everything's gonna be great for me. I can carry pdf documents. Um, proposals and sales lessons and everything while I'm working, reference material uh, on something that only weighs a pound and slips, slips easily into a bag rather than carrying a whole pile of paper around with me. So just for that, it, it, it's a sell for me. But the point is, I don't think it's aimed at us. It's not aimed at business people. Uh, even though the, the the device can satisfy elements of those requirements, it's aimed at people like my parents who are you know, in their 50s and 60s who basically don't get computers. They don't want to get computers. They don't want to be dealing with a netbook that's running some janky version of Linux with no support. They don't want to be running a, a, a netbook that's running Windows so they can just browse the web, uh, maybe send the occasional email or anything like yeah. that. They, they struggle with an iPod Touch because it's small um, and um, you know, it's hard to read because it's, it's just not big enough for, for you know, eyes that have seen, seen a few years behind them. Exactly, um, And probably a MacBook would be too big. Not only would it be too big, it's too complicated. There's too many things they have to do with it. They don't want to be dealing with logons and updates and all of that sort of thing. The beauty of the iPhone iPod system, and it was built like this from the start to scale up, is that it's simple, it's easily integrated with a piece of software that people understand, and you can pick it up and use it without any training. And it's it's perfectly obvious. You download an application, it appears as an icon. You press on a button... The, the application o- opens. You want a keyboard, it pops up when you need it. That's, the, that's exactly what, what people who aren't interested in technology want. Yep. And I think that is a, that's a huge, huge market that basically of people who don't buy these sort of things. And all of a sudden they're going to come along and say, well, now I want to get into email. Now I want to get into Facebook. Now I want to do web browsing. You've got to remember using an iPod, iPad, you don't have to worry about security It could be because it's a closed managed system um you, all this all this guff that's been in the press the last day about multitasking is a waste yeah. of time because you know what people can't multitask you and i can only do one thing at once Our wives would say maybe even less than one thing at once. (laughs) Uh, But the point is, is any person can only concentrate on one thing at a time. In general, you can listen to a piece of music while you're doing something else, but you can't be monitoring two things at once. So having multitasking on a device like this is a waste of time, and Apple knows that, and so they just don't bother putting it in. Well, and as far
3: as far as multitasking goes, I mean, I I could think of of a couple of examples where where multitasking on something like this would be useful, like. For example, if if you're you're editing a uh, a word document in Pages and you have a, a graphic that you need to do something with that you know the <clears throat> whatever the built-in you know graphics tools that are available in Pages isn't going to do it, well you could you could drag that over and and drop it onto another application. But at the same time, you know, once you're once you're done doing that and you drag it back, that application closes and goes away. So you yeah. could actually have almost like a, a mini dock on one side with some, you know, and, and you set up what what applications you may want to have there. But when you're done with that application and you walk away from it, then it just it just closes by itself. So you're still only doing one thing at a time, but you know you're you're able to 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 get into different aspects of it. While you're so, you
2: know, you're talking about moving information between applications easily, rather than necessarily multitasking, doing two things at once. Right now, that, so, that
3: that's part of the the great thing about about it. Not using a hard drive is that yeah. all these applications, and you know, these aren't going to be. You're not going to get CS4 to run on something like an iPad, but you certainly could get, you know, a a, a photo manipulation software package. That will do most of the things that you want to do with a photograph or with a graphic, and yeah. you know go back and forth between them.
1: Well, I think so, though that. the multitasking a lot of people are missing is I want to fire up Pandora and start listening to some music, then I want to jump over to my web browser and keep looking around on Safari. I can't do that on the iPad.
2: Yeah, but why Why should Apple help you do use Pandora when they're already offering their own content through iTunes? If you want to listen to iTunes content while you're doing something else on an iPad or an iPhone or a, a Touch, you can do that.
1: Right, so, so they, they do that, allow that, multitasking just with their do, own apps.
2: Exactly, right. and, yep. and, you know, that's kind of the, the price you pay for the simplicity of the system, and um, from my perspective, okay, it's not, not as open or as convenient as something else. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this is this is only one device on the market. If you want to do those other things, there are other options for and it. And this is only the first version. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's all in software. The hardware is going to stay the same. So this will change over time just as the same way that copy and paste, which was the, the, the big bugbear that people threw at the original iPhone, came along eventually.
3: So, Guy, are you buying one? uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna have to hold one and play with it for I mean you guys know me I, I didn't buy an iPhone until the 3Gs came out and my My number one complaint with it was that it didn't have enough storage. okay well, I said when it got thirty two gigs of storage, I would buy one, and I did I yeah. didn't buy an Apple TV and still haven't bought an apple TV because there were there were parts of the Apple TV that that I thought were just kind of half baked, and I mm. still haven't bought one. So what basically what I need to do is you know eventually you know once the crowds die down, go into an Apple Store, play with it for a while, see what it can do, and decide whether or not this is a device that is going to you know fit the things that I typically do. Like right now, I take my uh, I take my laptop to work with me because at lunchtime I you know I I can't bring my laptop into the office, but I you know I sit in my car and I can I can yeah. play a game or I can do this or I can do that. Well, if I can do all of those things with an iPad, then I don't have to take my laptop to work with yeah. me. And instead of carrying around a a you know five to eight pound laptop in a backpack with all the support equipment that I typically bring yeah. with it, I just have it's this one just, light
2: little device. Just be able to run light. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a, that sounds like a good usage scenario, but I, I respect what you're saying about, about taking a look at it and deciding. I think... I, I probably will get one fairly soon after it launches. Um, I'm I'm in a position where I might be able to do that, but I, I will want to see it and try it out for myself, and and maybe wait a couple of weeks before uh, before I do that. Though I I, I do think that there's going to be a run on this when it first when it first comes out. Oh yeah. Now, so now let me ask you if, both something: 3G or not to 3G? That is the question. Not, not 3G for me. Wi-Fi only. I think I think the 3G is is. It just pushes the price up a little bit too much, and uh, certainly as a, as a as a potential UK user, I've heard nothing about cheap um, 3G deals over here yet, so so I'm going to probably just go with the Wi-Fi. You can always use a, a Wi-Fi type device, a, a mobile router if you want 3G, if you go for a Wi-Fi version. Tim, I think, I think you're of the same view on that. Yeah, you know, I've already got two uh, Internet connection bills. One's
1: for my iPhone, one's for my uh, – well, technically three – uh, I've got a Comcast account at home, and I've got a Comcast business account here in the uh, studio. So oh, i don't PC I don't Radio need studio. yeah I don't need another account. No. Uh, I don't yeah. need another bill. And almost every place that I go has a Wi Fi connection. And right. if it doesn't, and I need to access something on the internet, I always have my iPhone with me. So yeah, yeah I am going to go with uh, probably a sixty four gigabyte Wi Fi only. Right, okay.
2: but maybe yeah. maybe a thirty two. I don't know. And you're going to do that on day one? You're going to waste a little, a little while?
1: Uh, I'll probably just order it from Amazon. Yeah, I'm not going to go wait yeah. in a line or anything like that. I'm too. No. I'm 40 years old now. I'm too old to be waiting <laughs> in a line. You know, Just send I'm it sure, to me. I'll play with it when it gets here.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that plenty of people will be waiting in line. I think there will be.
1: Well, there is a communal aspect to, to line waiting. I, I've done it a few times. I did it with the Wii, for instance. Yeah. And, and there is a, a, a bonding thing that happens that, Dissolves the moment the store actually opens. Um,
3: but, <laughs> it it, like, but get out of my way.
1: There, there was a there's a, a documentary out there called Star Wait, and Star Wait is all about these people who waited in line for literally months for the very first Phantom Menace movie. The the you know when they <sighs> relaunched the series, wow. and and then they show what them again. <laughs> yeah, they show them again um, for the next movie as well, and it's an interesting take on you know what they're doing out there, this family type of atmosphere that they had. It was kind of party, but it was really true fans of something. Forget about the Star Wars aspect and that kind of thing. Um, it, it, there was nothing like this before. No one ever waited months and months just to see a movie, and the movie was almost incidental. And I think a yeah. lot of people that wait in line for the new Apple gear or the new Wii or whatever it happens to be. Um, this kind of communal thing happens, and it's really fun to participate in. And if you've never done it, it's kind of hard to explain and, and really grasp the concept. But I think it's really cool. I, I'll be I'll be the first one to go up to a line and say, "Hey, good job, guys!" Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool. I just I'm too old to do it myself.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I th- I'm sure it's going to be very interesting anyway when the uh, when the devices actually launch. And what's nice is with this 60 day run up. We'll be able to hear more about applications, potential launch for it. I mean, one thing that I, I think will be interesting is Microsoft Office is going online this year. The next version will actually be available kind of like Google Docs, which will be very interesting if that works well on, on a device like the iPad. So it's it going to be, be pretty free. good. And, uh, oh, no, no it is not. free. That The the, on, the online version is free, and ad, it's going to be free and ad-supported. So mm, it will we'll be see. available for yeah. free. okay. so that's our take on the iPad I'm sure we'll be talking about it plenty more on on the show over the next few weeks before it actually arrives and um, we'll uh, look forward to keeping you informed on that Tim, thanks very much for joining us thanks for having me
1: guys, I appreciate it
2: okay, thanks very much and we'll uh, get back to the main show now hello everybody and welcome to MyMac Podcast 277 Um, I'm joined as normal by Guy Searle hello everybody uh, and this week we also have a listener invite. Uh, Jim Felder is joining us. Hi, Jim.
0: Hey there, guys. How are you doing?
2: Jim! Doing really well. Jim, uh, for everyone who uh, has been keeping track of the listener invites, Jim was our very first listener invite all the way back in June of 2009. And uh, it was a, uh, certainly a, a new experience for all of us, and I hope you enjoyed it back then, Jim.
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, It was great well, talking we- to some Mac friends. Well, we're very pleased to have you back Uh, And
2: uh, we're going to get into it um, in a a couple of minutes Just a bit more about you and try and understand your Mac history And what you do and and what it is you like and don't like about Apple But uh, first of all, we we just want to talk about Macworld Expo Um, As we were saying last week, Guy um, We're going to look to be doing a, a meet-up with our listeners while we're there
3: yeah, over at the Moscone West, which is at, uh, what is it, 4th
2: Fourth and, Fourth and Howard. 4th and Howard, which is where they used to have the keynote speeches. That's right. If you ever used to watch the uh, reports by CNN, uh, and uh, NBC News and that yeah, sort with of all thing. Those After people the keynotes, up outside. exactly. That's that's where where the people used to line up. That's where we'll be standing on that corner. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes with a, a Google Maps entry, so you can see exactly where it is. So if you are going to be in uh, San Francisco on Wednesday, the day before MacWorld, um, which is the, uh, the, uh, the tenth, the tenth of uh, February. February. Yes. Yeah, not January because that's already gone. Yeah. February. <laughs> i don 't know what i don 't know the time warp. It is. yeah absolutely tenth of february uh, three p m in the afternoon uh, and what we 'd like to do is kind of we 'll hang around for half an hour or so and let people kind of get there and get their uh, introduce themselves and and, and once we 've got a few people there then we'll 'll we'll go off and we 'll find somewhere quiet we 'll normally find somewhere in the Moscone Center uh, or maybe in the Metreon or somewhere and we 'll sit down have a chat, get to know each other um, we uh, we 'll we'll be taking um, auditions for uh, podcast uh, listener invites or uh, writers, if, if that's something you're interested in, we'd certainly be interested in uh, understanding uh, how you'd like to do that. But uh, otherwise, we'll be fairly informal and just have a chat and get to know us and yep. we'll get to know you. and we'll- Just for fun talk about what we're looking forward to in the show and what we're not looking forward to and where the best parties are and where the best place to eat and all the good things about, um, you know, the kind of community spirit of Matt Wild Expo. Exactly. So if there's anybody that
3: listens to the show that lives in San Francisco
2: that does know where all the good parties are, make sure you show up. Absolutely. Definitely. That's going to be fairly important. And remember as well that we will be podcasting live from the main stage on Thursday, the 11th of January. Um, at uh, I think that's is it four 30, in the afternoon four thirty in the four afternoon. thirty to five thirty I think we're the closing show for the day yeah so um hopefully for the main there'll, stage there'll still be a few people milling around uh, we're gonna we want looking to do something fairly interactive hopefully um maybe get a few people up yep. on stage to uh, to talk along with us oh oh, give us, oh oh Dave Dave Dave, yeah. Dave
3: I have a gift for you that I will be giving to you live during the uh, the MacWorld podcast. Oh, fantastic
2: And no, I'm not going to tell you what it is I'm, I would expect nothing less <laughs> Here's hope. It's, I hope it's something that's uh, That's shiny technology related It's not some sort of uber karate wedgie Ooh, it's so shiny <laughs> Well, that, that's something to look forward to Now I'm going to have to get you a gift No,
3: no, 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 no that, that's ch- not necessary
2: <laughs> Just, yeah, Believe me, by the time By the time we
3: walk out of, uh, of Macworld We'll be, you know, so loaded with swag and everything else that uh i don't think either one of us would be able to fit too much more in our in our suitcases to go
2: back home i'm definitely going to try and keep the try count down this year actually um because uh the last time i was at MacWorld, even though i was only there for a day i came away with so much stuff i nearly had to buy another suitcase to get home with uh and um i'm gonna try and avoid that i'm gonna give people a card and say mail it to me yeah well, (laughs) well this time this time don't buy a computer no, I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, I'm definitely not going to do that. My financial situation precludes anything like that this time around. So um, I, I won't be doing that. Um, that was a good computer, though. You still have was, it, don't you? No, I, I've, I've sold it now. Oh. <laughs> it was two years ago. Come on. Okay. I've had about three since then. <laughs> anyway. Hey, we got something so, here with us, don't we? We do. So um, Jim. Yeah, let's, let's turn hey. back to Jim. So Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? You're well, Jim Felder.
0: I'm Jim Felder. I, I'm, uh, let's see, married. I have four yeah. children. Um, wow. I'm, a crea- I'm a creative kind of guy. Uh, yeah. I love music. I love to make people laugh. Uh, I yeah. like And I like creating things on my Mac. Cool. Uh, been at my current job for 28 years.
2: So, so what um, is it
0: you do? I'm a graphic artist and uh, freelance photographer, freelance graphic artist as well. No, so. you
3: you have your own website, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, you can you can you can flog it here.
0: Well, it's Jimfelder dot com, and uh, you, you know if you Google me, you can find other stuff too. So yeah, yep. Yeah, I've been looking yeah.
3: at some of the images on on your site, and they're really great. I'm looking at the uh, the dead tree at Mount Scott in Oklahoma right now. It's just unbelievable.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's actually hanging in my living room. I printed it on metallic paper. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, that is,
3: a, so, that is a great shot.
2: So is Oklahoma where you live, Jim?
0: That is where I live, born and raised.
2: Wow. So so what's it like in Oklahoma? I've never been to Oklahoma.
0: Uh, flat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mount Scott is actually a hill. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's great here. The people are, are great. They're, we're just, uh, you know, you can't... Every time somebody comes here and talks about it they think everybody's just so friendly here so yeah
2: so so is where you live quite rural
0: no not necessarily i'm, I'm actually no? on a suburb of of oklahoma city
2: oh right okay yeah uh-huh
0: cool live right by a lake yeah
2: oh that's very nice yeah that's that's always pretty good to uh to live near the water so you, you're a graphics artist so what what exactly does that because that, that's a fairly broad term nowadays. Um, right. What, what what exactly do you do? You kind of do to occupy your time at work.
0: At work, um, basically, I do actually more creative stuff outside of work now than I than I used to right. at work. But basically, build ads for clients uh, that go in a big book, a directory. Um, right. They're they're pretty. You know, they're black and white. They're basic. We just recently started doing some color. Banner ads and stuff like that for uh, a web-based program that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that. I do some some projects on the side uh, of my department. They'll we'll have other departments come to me and say, "Hey, can we do this? This brochure, this poster? You know, those kind of things." It's a lot of fun. Yeah.
3: Well, how long now, how long have you been using a Mac?
0: Um, since about 97, I think. I think the first one we bought up there at work was a Power Mac 8500, I think. I'm guessing. But it was back in 97, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that.
2: one of those big towers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the time has gone past... You know, people in your trade, it was always assumed that they were Mac users, but of course nowadays that's not necessarily the case. It's awful lot, you know, with Creative Suite being available for Windows, an awful lot of people who are Windows users in in graphic design and graphics artists. So, yeah, but but you are a Mac house, are you? Oh uh,
0: no, actually, no, not, no. I have a, I have a Mac currently. Uh, I have a I use a PC mainly, uh, right. but I have a switch box that I switch back and forth between them. Uh, when we first switched to the Mac, we were using PCs for the graphics then we had another uh, manager come in and got us all new macs and switched over to the mac so that we could be more compatible to uh the vendors and the service providers that we were using Um, the printers and stuff right so um yeah it was great switching over to the mac though it it changed everything for me (laughs) is that all you
3: use at home as well
0: that's all I use. I do have the other kind in this household, which I don't like. But, <laughs> you know, I always try to promote them or, or you know, uh, convert them. But uh, my wife uses a PC because she, she kind of has to with her job. And uh, and my my son has a PC, and I tried to convince him to get a Mac. But uh, now he wishes he had. So Was he a gamer? Yeah. Yeah. He is a gamer. That's why. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Now now last time we spoke to you you had a G five. Are you still using that or have I, you moved I, over to Intel?
0: I am. I'm I've got a, a MacBook laptop, which is what I'm on right now, but I do still have the G five. I'm hoping to possibly get one a new one this year, but I'm not sure. Are you uh, looking at a Mac Pro? You know, I, I am, but I'm not sure yet. I, I think I, I could go probably IMAC, but I'd really like to have the expansion uh, capability yeah, on, the, on but the Mac Pro.
3: At the same time, that 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 i seven twenty seven inch iMac is that's that's a hard beast to pass up for the for the money.
0: Right, I know. I've got a friend of mine that's looking at one that I've converted him over. and He's wanting to get his next computer. It's going to be a Mac, so um, he's going to get one of those iMacs, and I'm I'm jealous.
2: <laughs> I suppose one option you could do is is hold on to the G five and. Keep that as an expansion machine, but but still have the the iMac as the main machine.
0: Right. That's. I definitely want to keep it. I've, I've still got yeah. my. I've still got a G three desktop in my garage, and I've got just recently was given a a five twelve Mac uh, that wow, just sitting Michael's there. Wow, goes back. Yeah, um, haven't done anything with it yet, but it's just sitting there being yellow. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I I heard on a, on another podcast about a way of. Um, getting rid of the yellow from the old max. Oh, there's a there's a chemical you can use. I'm, I'm going to have to try and I, w- I will try and find this out and then we'll talk about it on on the next time we do a retro show guy. Okay. Um but I'm pretty sure that there was some some kind of chemical that I think hairdressers use that's been found to be uh, pretty good at soaking off the yellow from the um, from the old max and basically returning them to something that looks fairly new.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to convert it to something. I took an old G3 um, tower that from work and converted it to a lamp. I've actually got yeah. some some pictures on Flickr that uh, converted it to a lamp. It just looked really cool, all lit up.
2: I'll, I'll tell you, for me, the perfect dream conversion for that sort of Mac is to strip all the guts out mount an lcd monitor in the display area and then put a mac mini inside there Hmm. so it actually actually works like a modern mac but um but you know in the original case that's a great idea that'd be awesome yeah yeah so that'd be pretty good so, um, last time we spoke to you, you were lusting after an iPhone, and then we did you a massive disservice by spending the entire <laughs> podcast talking about iPhone applications, and you couldn't really talk to us about it because you didn't have one. That's right. So, uh, I believe you are now an iPhone owner.
0: Oh, I am. It's my, compu- my computer in my pocket. Yeah.
3: Did, so, you got the 3GS?
0: I did, yes. Did you get the big one? Uh-huh, 32. Th- 32 gig? Yeah, I figured since it has video, then I would want some room there to grow with the video and pictures and whatever else.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. So what kind of applications have you gotten for it?
0: You name it, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, I've got 11 pages and then some. Wow. Um, is,
3: is there is there a, a particular genre that, that uh, you, you get more often than not?
0: Um, probably photography related, um, you know, uh, all kinds. I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got Facebook, um, I've got a pizza hut app. Uh, you guys, <laughs> cause you yeah, never know,
3: you never yeah, know when you're going to yeah. want a pizza. <laughs> uh, have you heard of, uh, auto stitch panorama?
0: I have, and I have that on there. I don't use it a whole lot, but I, I, I just don't shoot a lot of panos with my iPhone, um, you know, as of yet, I, you know, right. I do so many things with it. Um, I've got a I've got an app called Aircam, which is a it lets you put it's like a, a security camera. You just leave it there and you can show go remotely somewhere on your iPhone and view your webcam in your house. And you can see that on your iPhone live. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool.
2: I was, like, yeah. I, I, I was thinking you'd, you'd have to leave the iPhone somewhere so the camera would actually. <laughs> well, actually, I'm could thinking you, could watch, you could watch somebody steal your iPhone because it said, Who <laughs> left this iPhone line around?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually a webcam connected to your home computer. Right. And yeah. then you, yeah. Which so, makes more sense. Right. I've got, yeah. you know, Amazon app, uh, Skype, uh, all kinds of stuff on here. Any, any games? Google. I've got a few. I'm not a big gamer on there, like you know, especially the first person shooter stuff. I can't really get into do no, those they, they they kind don't of seem to, to
3: translate that well. You know, yeah, I've they got don't. I've got the the original Doom for it and Castle Wolfenstein, and I just have a heck of a time trying to c- control it. I just you know I, I walk around a corner, and, and you know when you had the keyboard and the mouse and everything else in front of you, it was relatively easy to do a quick scan of what was going on around you. But with such a small device as the iPhone, and the way that they had the controls hooked up, it, it just it just wasn't easy. It wasn't a, that great of an experience for me.
2: Yeah, one of my one of my um, one one of the games I've been playing recently is Ace Combat. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, that the, is, I, that I is ha- cool. I have it on I have it on the PSP. I love it on the PSP, but I have to, to prefer the iPhone version because it's just so cool. Um, you know, it's the, playing around with, right. with, the, with the accelerometer. Yeah,
3: of course. People, and, people, the people that are around you are giving you funny looks.
2: That's right. And, and graphically, I mean, there's nothing between it and the PSP version. It's all in there. It's uh, it's quite amazing.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm not a big gamer on there. Um, music. I found one that's called Four Track, and you can do uh, multi-track recording on it. Um, Kind of like GarageBand, but uh, you know, I like messing around with that. I'll will sing some things and overdub my my voice. It's just it cracks me up to hear the harmony and it's me. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, so I enjoy the, that so a the, lot. There's,
3: there, there's no hardware hooked up to it. You're basically just laying down track after track.
0: That's through, correct. Through, through
3: the microphone in the in the iPhone.
0: That's correct. But I've seen on YouTube, there's a uh, a band. I can't remember. I think uh, Tommy Lee, actually from Motley Crue, actually recorded an album with this app, and he had a device connected to, th- through the uh, dot connector, and he hooked up mics, guitars, those kind of things, and recorded a complete album. There's other bands that have done the same thing, so it's pretty cool. Cool. Very good.
2: You, is that the is the iPhone the
0: only iPod you have? No, I have. I have the original uh forty gig click wheel that doesn't work anymore um my wife has my old ipod touch my son has a new ipod newer ipod touch my other son has an ipod nano uh, right. so you yeah you're all old your old up yeah, oh, yeah i just had
3: to i just had to replace my uh my ipod classic that the hard drive clicked and died so I picked up a um uh a one twenty refurb i think it was a uh, hundred and ninety bucks something like that
2: yeah. Yeah. I must admit, this this trip I took away to the States over Christmas, I took my Shuffle with me. Um, that was and, the only, uh, other than your phone, that was the only iPod you had? Yeah, basically I had my phone and my, and my Shuffle 3G, and um, I used the Shuffle quite a lot, um, which was the first time I'd really use it in anger in a while. <laughs> um, and, and how it, do you, how re- you use an iPod Shuffle in anger? Oh <laughs> yeah, it just just basically means I, I had it with me most of the time, okay. which uh, is uh, is not is not something I normally do. It's normally just sat at my desk, plugged into my computer. Um, but because we were we were driving around quite a bit, what would often happen is is we'd be driving somewhere and all all the family would fall asleep, and I'd be sat there <laughs> trying to stay awake. And um, so I found it very convenient just to have the shuffle on my belt. Uh, and have my headphones in my pocket, and just uh, any time that happened, I could just um, i if you go on vacation and you 're a regular podcast listener it 's a real nightmare because all of a sudden you find you 've got forty hours of podcasts to get through, yeah, so I really wanted to take opportunity to to catch up and when we were back in the hotel in the evening, you know I, and then we had baby stuff to do kind of you know sterilizing bottles and that sort of thing, and it was good to have something to listen to while I was doing that um, so I I I came away being still once again really impressed with the Shuffle third generation. I know it got a lot of stick when it came out as, you know, not having any controls on it and being difficult to use and this sort of thing. But it, you know, really, isn't I think, in a very very impressive iPod uh, for what it does, uh, and I really uh, really enjoyed being able to use it, and it really did the job for me.
3: What well, did you did you feel that um, the Shuffle was the type of iPod? That somebody would want to because I mean I typically think of of the shuffle as, you know you, you've got you know some guy or some girl that are, that's on a treadmill and and you know they don't want to be bothered to to try to slog through a playlist so they just you know use the shuffle to to get through their workout.
2: Yeah, but uh, well, I was I wasn't using it like that. I mean, I had podcasts on there. I was listening to them. You know, I had a playlist set up on my computer and I was uh, putting them over. The the shuffle won't shuffle podcasts. It's It goes in order. So it will play them in order. Um, And yet you've you've got the music on there as well, so any time you want to go and listen to music, you have to be a bit more organised with your playlists because if you want to... um, If you don't just want to listen to music one after the other or um, in a shuffle mode, you do. You know, if you want to listen to a certain type of music or a a particular band, then you need to make sure you've got a playlist set up for that. But actually, navigating through playlists using the audio um, and the the voiceover feature works incredibly well. I also managed to get a. uh, an adapter while i was in the states that uh, allows me to use different sets of headphones with the shuffle because it replicates the the apple functionality remote. yeah app, it rep- replicates the apple remote on the cable so that you can use a, a, a non-apple set of headphones with it and th- that was very useful as well
0: so you're saying voice uh controls you can control it with your voice or you just hear no, audio audio prompts? you,
2: you just hear, you hear audio prompts basically it, it um it scans your – anything you put on there, it scans, and then any time you hit the button, it tells you what it is and allows you to hear the names of the playlists and then click to select them. Um, and it's a very impressive system, and I, I think, you know, it kind of it, – it got poo-pooed an awful lot when it first came out, but it, I still think it's, um, it's a pretty good, pretty good iPod.
0: So let me ask you one more question. So yeah. if you have a playlist, will it announce your playlist name?
2: Yeah, like it say,
0: It'll say the playlist. It says, so I, it says the playlist. A, so if I create a playlist called "Poo Poo," it's going to say, "Hey, Poo Poo." <laughs> uh,
2: I've, n- I've never actually tried that, but I would imagine yes. That's that's, that's funny. exactly what it does. I've never so even had, played I'd, with one. Yeah, I did have a I did I do have a set of custom playlists, and it it was reading them all. But every now and again, it kind of mangles the uh, the pronunciation, but you you kind of get the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's pretty good, really. So are you you're, are you Going to be joining us at Macworld this year, Jim?
0: No, unfortunately not.
2: A bit too far from Oklahoma, San Francisco.
0: Well, just the, the funds. I need to save my pennies for next year.
2: Yeah, as well. We've yeah. we're all saving our pennies. We've all got new Apple gear to buy. I right. think. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so definitely that's that's a as good a reason as any not to go, I guess. Um, so, but it, I mean, is it, is it something you've been to before, something you've always wanted to
0: do? I've never been able to go, and I've always wanted to go. So yeah. yeah. So why don't, why don't well, you guys I guess from like fundraiser?
3: You were kind of equidistant between uh, the East Coast and the West Coast shows when the East Coast show was still around,
0: right? You guys need to do a fundraiser and and uh, get Jim to MacWorld, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> good luck on that. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: just, we, we weren't even able
2: to get sponsors for this year, not yet anyway. Oh, okay. Not 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 at not at time of recording. We're still working on it. Yeah. Time is it's getting short, so. Um, it's not looking be, good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to see about that, but but uh, maybe. Um, maybe after this year macworld will go on the road Jim, and uh, maybe it'll end up in oklahoma city or, or it'll be
0: closer <laughs> right dallas or something yeah yeah
2: that that will, that certainly would be interesting but um yes yeah, can should be a should be an interesting show this year we'll certainly do our best to uh, to cover it and uh, keep everyone up to date on it anyway so well i mean what do you this is almost, this is almost, uh, the the obvious question to ask but what are you looking forward to from apple um, over the next twelve
0: months. Well, I, the tablet. I, I I don't necessarily need or want a tablet, but I just think it, that they need to get on the ball. They need to get on the pro, uh, in with the other people that are doing it. But I think it'll be better, obviously, um, yeah. because because everybody else has done it. They know what not to do and what what to make it how to make it better. So well, I do think- you
3: do you think that that the Apple tablet slab, whatever they end up with is going to be similar in function to uh, various Windows tablets that have come out in the last few years
0: well i 'm sure it'll have some similarities, but uh, uh, with Apple, you know they always have to go a step step up you know like with the with the iphone i don 't think it's yeah. going to be another iPhone personally, but i don 't think it's going to be as big as the iPhone where you know where like it is now, but I'm sure it'll have some functionality of the iPhone, but also uh, a computer. Uh, but that's just my opinion. I, I have yeah. no I, nothing to base that on, but yeah.
2: Now, now you you just said you've got an awful lot of apps for your iPhone. If it was compatible with those applications, would that kind of sway you more towards it? If it was able to run those applications? Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that that's something that I'm intrigued to see is really what what the relationship is between the iPhone and this device. Um, and and whether it will be kind of a one to one relationship, you could imagine, even if obviously it will be larger than the iPhone. But uh, rather than necessarily scaling up the iPhone's interface to to a, a ten inch or a twelve inch screen, whatever it is, you could imagine it kind of having a kind of a, a, an iPhone mode where it works more like an iPhone to support applications that were written for that screen size. Uh, right. Be interesting to see. That. Well,
3: I I think one of the things that we're going to see, you know, we were talking about this last week. Um, one of the things I think we're going to see is, is an SDK for whatever this device is that comes out so that there are quite a few apps available at the time of launch. Cause I don't think, yeah. I don't think, regardless of, of, you know, what's going to be available, I don't think you'll, that you'll be able to walk out of the, whatever the, the name of the, the places that they're having the event, go to an Apple store and, you know, lay down your plastic and buy one. I don't think there'll be one available for at least a few months.
2: I, I certainly hope there is not one available until after February 13th, <laughs> when I'm safely out of the country and my credit card is not able to twitch from my wallet. <laughs> seems yeah. I, I, I'm certainly I'm certainly expecting whatever is launched is not going to be available outside the US straight away. I don't think they'll do a worldwide launch. I think they'll phase it like they did the iPhone, so it will probably be available in the US for a, a few months before it's available here in here in good old Blighty. I well, would that, expect. that might depend
3: on whether or not you know they have any um, data partners for it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the market over here for the iPhone has just opened up completely. Now um, there's only one carrier here, T-Mobile, that doesn't have it. Um, and in fact, I've just taken delivery of a Vodafone iPhone 3GS for myself. Um, fortunately for me, my company's, um, cell up a phone account. Yeah. My, my company, I've, I've been running an O2 iPhone of my own and paying my own bill for the lot since it, since it launched last July. Um, but my company has a, has an account with Vodafone. And so now it's available on Vodafone. I said to them, I said, can you buy me an iPhone? Um, and I'll port my number back in from O2. Which is what I've done, and and so that should be set up in the next couple of days. Which means I have a spare iPhone going, which my wife has uh, so <laughs> is. snagged. Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to talk them into getting me a 32 gig one, so I'm stuck with a 16. But, uh, but nevertheless, I didn't have
3: to pay for it. So that's I didn't have us. to
2: pay for it, and I won't be paying for the bill. And it does mean that when I come out to MacWorld, I'll be able to use it because uh, when I was just in the States with my O2 iPhone, I turned everything off except the wifi because i didn't want to have to pay the roaming charges. Yeah. But the company's picking up the tab. They have an international deal and i'll be able to use it in San Francisco, which will be handy. Definitely. Okay. Um so i'm going to take a break now, i think, and we'll have a message from our sponsor, maxsales.com, otherworld computing, uh, and uh our good friend and former co-host Tim Robertson will deliver that for us, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute.
1: Hey, everyone. Tim Robertson, OWCRadio.com. I don't know if you've checked out iTunes lately, but if you do a search for OWC, you're going to find two things. You're going to find OWC Radio, which is the new podcast I am producing over at Otherworld Computing. In fact, just this week, we released a couple episodes They're really fun to do. It's it's hard to explain the difference between the MyMac show that I used to do and the OWC radio show that I'm doing now, other than the fact that most of the time I'm by myself. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. That's for you to decide. But we had a really fun interview with a guy named Kevin Whips. He's from AppleGazette.com. He's also a photographer. And that was for show number eight. With show number nine, we did that the day the iPad came out, which was two days ago. And I had a kind of a roundtable discussion with Steve Sandy of the unofficial Apple Weblog and John Martellaro of um, the Mac Observer. And it was a a lively discussion, but it's kind of funny because parts of the show, it goes quiet because such a new device, uh, Steve and John and myself, were basically looking information up online as we're recording. So it's not the the funnest thing to do, (laughs) but... That's how it works sometimes. So I really encourage you to go check it out, OWCRadio.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Owc Radio, And make sure you also take a look at the installation videos, free. Every day I'm posting a brand-new installation video up on iTunes. Build your library up of Mac videos, how to repair them, how to upgrade them. Um, You'll like it. Check it out, www.macsales.com.
2: Take it away, David. And we're back. Thanks very much for that, Tim. And we're, uh, we're just a, a brief mention. Tim is going to be um, at Macworld with us, and is going to be doing his own um, OWC Radio podcast uh, live from the main stage on the final day of Macworld. Yeah, I think he, he closes the show out, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, on the Saturday. So uh, if you're thinking about coming up to the show, uh, you might, particularly at the weekend, you might want to hang around for that because I'm sure that's going to be a good show. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Jim, we were talking before before we started recording about um, different photography applications. Obviously, as a freelance photographer, um, you know, using your Mac for photography is, is one of the things you do. So, um, and I think I think on the last show you mentioned you were a Lightroom user. That's correct. So, yeah. So, I, I just just wondered whether it might be worth talking about that. Now, I, I used to be I used to be a Lightroom user. I recently switched to Aperture. Um, and uh, but it 's interesting, both of these applications kind of do the same thing uh, in, a, in a little bit of a different way, so I just thought it might be worth talking a little bit about that and photography on the Mac in general and just just seeing what what we thought about that so uh, kind of what what do you use lightroom for and what what 's the advantages of it for you as a, as a freelance photographer
0: well it 's basically my digital darkroom and then some. Uh, use it right. for organizing keywording um, you develop the pictures printing i don 't do a lot of printing from from lightroom, but i 've used it to use that print dial, uh, that print um, module for creating exporting uh, jpegs uh, yeah. from you know, little uh, templates that they have or, or layouts that they have uh, to print yeah. to jpeg
2: so but, your, your, your workflow is actually processing raw images from your, uh, right. your camera yeah. Yeah. Yes.
3: Well, how how so, so, does how does Lightroom differ from some of other Adobe's products that deal with photography?
0: Well, I I use um, Photoshop with it. Um, you just right click the image and hit Edit in Photoshop, and if you have to do some more deep edits, uh, if you want to correct, you know, blemishes, and you can do that in Lightroom. But if you have more intricate editing that you need to do um, or add more you know text or if you wanted to do more to that image you can open in photoshop you hit save and it immediately saves it back into the lightroom
2: that's one of the advantages of lightroom over aperture because it's an adobe product it integrates very well with photoshop the real difference is that photoshop is a is a kind of a layered bitmap editing program whereas lightroom is a photography program so while lightroom can do some limited kind of variations on parts of an image it doesn't support layers at all um and um so all of those really advanced features in photoshop for manipulating using filters and that sort of thing lightroom doesn't do but what lightroom does excel at is is processing raw images using um the camera raw engine that, that photoshop uses um it's really able to tag and and kind of organize your files in a, in a in a really neat way and the kind of the the tools it does provide are all the same tools you would find in photoshop for adjusting the way images look so the right. exposure and the the, the the light balancing and the color balancing and everything is all very similar to what you get in photoshop but kind of presented in a in a more organized and structured way the difference between lightroom and aperture is that um aperture uh aperture was released first and aperture's interface is very much more freeform whereas lightroom kind of is broken up into modules and there's a kind of an organized module and then there's a developed module where you kind of adjust the images and then there's a print and output module aperture kind of says well you can doesn't really matter what you want to do whichever whichever functions you want to do to an image at particular time will present the tools you need to do that so it's a little bit more freeform and Kind of, uh, I I suppose it's a bit left brain versus right brain, if if you want to put it in in that in those sorts of terms. But but what both the both the programs do that's kind of for me is is the key feature is that they are um, non-destructive editors of uh, of photos. Right, So so it doesn't
3: matter what you do, you still have your original.
2: Yeah. Well maybe. it's it's kind of not even that. The basically the way it works is it takes the image and then any changes you make to it, whether it be a crop or an exposure or anything like that, rather than actually bake that into the file, all it does is it is it stores in a database what it's done to the image. And then as you when you load the image again, it renders all those things through again. So that means you can actually go to any part of the process and change it. So if you if you hit the C crop key um, you'll see the, your original image will pop up with the crop kind of superimposed over the top, and you can adjust it um, uh, any time you want. And it's right. only when you ren- render the file out as a, a JPEG or as something else that then kind of that, that um, those changes kind of get baked into a new version of the file. The advantage of that approach, the database approach, is it doesn't take a lot of space. Whereas the difference between, say... Um, Lightroom or Aperture and iPhoto is that you can do that sort of lossless version control in iPhoto, or it looks like that, but every time you make a change, it's creating a new version of the image and then kind of baking that in. So you can end up with 10 or 15 different images if you do a lot of edits, whereas with Lightroom or Aperture, you just have the original image and then a, a database that kind of says what you did. So it's very space efficient.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I've never used Aperture before. I've never even looked at it or anything, but I think that's because I just started off with Lightroom Beta back in the day and yeah. uh, been there ever since. The, the,
2: it's funny the I, when Aputure, I was very excited when Aperture was first launched because um, at the t- when it first came out, and I, and I was actually at the um, uh, MacWorld show here in the UK, and, and they were demonstrating it. I'd never seen an application that worked like that before. Uh, I'm talking about Aperture. This is Aperture. This is Apple's product. That you know, it, it kind of comes from the same mindset that Lightroom does. Um, it does the same thing. What, bo- what both of these programs are really aimed at are people who are shooting um, lots of images in RAW, and RAW is kind of the um, if, if you, it's kind of a digital analog to undeveloped film. Uh, when, when you, when you, if you've got a point and shoot camera that shoots only JPEGs what it does is it takes the image off from the sensor and it processes it in the camera and turns it into a, a, a JPEG so a JPEG is a compressed file it throws a whole pile of information out it renders the exposure and colour balance and everything that it thinks you were trying to go for and kind of puts that into the JPEG and once that's in there and it's thrown all the original information away it's quite difficult to to make adjustments what a DSLR can do is it can shoot in raw and basically all it does is it takes what hits the sensor and it saves it into a file. And then what these programs do is they look at that information and then then they render them. Um, but the advantage of having all the original information there in, in the original file is you can go back to that and you can make much more flexible changes to um, exposure. So you might be able to get you know, make a, a very dark part of the image. If it was a JPEG, it would be dark and it would just be black. And right. You wouldn't
3: be able to do anything. And any changes it. you made would affect the overall picture.
2: Exactly. If right. you tried to lighten that up, exactly. Whereas with a raw file, you can actually bring the exposure up almost two, two to three stops, maybe. And you can actually really change the, the look of the image without actually fetching different parts because you have a lot more. Core information still retained in the file The disadvantage is obviously a raw file Is much, much bigger, bigger and much harder to process So, so, as, so you have, you have Aperture And you have Lightroom is there, yeah. is there anything
3: that one does Particularly better than the other Other than you know access to Photoshop
2: Well this, this was the thing you see When Aperture first came along It was great in what it did But it was really really slow uh, And Lightroom launched uh, Sometime after Aperture And Lightroom was much much faster um, so having started with Aperture, I very quickly gravitated a to Lightroom and I stuck with it all the way up to the, to the current version. Um, but what what's actually happened over time is that Aperture has gotten faster, and to me, Lightroom has gotten slower with each release as they put more features into it.
0: Um, yeah, my, mine's so, gotten slower because I have a G5. <laughs> yeah, well
2: that that was that was part of it as well. Um, you know, really, what they've done to Aperture, and, and they haven't updated Aperture in in over a year now. It's really due for a, an update, and I'm hoping that sometime in the next few months they actually come up with a new version of it. But because because they've kind of they've worked on on the performance of it It actually has moved up in performance Particularly if you're using the latest Macs um, It takes advantage of a lot of the Core image type stuff That's built into the latest OS X releases So Aperture has kind of you know, you know, gotten better And over time Lightroom has kind of Gone a little bit worse for me And it got to the point where I actually found that I was becoming quite impatient with it So that, that was one of the reasons for me to switch back
3: okay, well, let, me, also, let me ask you something, Jim um, yeah. With with the you know kind of animosity between Adobe and Apple these days, do you think that there's any chance that uh, that Apple would release a program that that has similar functionality to Photoshop and tie that into Aperture?
0: Um, I, I have no idea. Uh, that that sounds like something that they that would be a good idea to do. Um, but but I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's a good question.
2: Hmm. Well, what do you think, Interesting. Jake? Um, they've always shied away from doing it in the past uh, I, I, the, the, I think the relationship has gotten a lot more tense over the last couple of years I don't know whether it's degraded to the point that Apple would actually start trying to invest in uh, building a competing program I think the problem the problem that Apple would have is that uh, Photoshop um, and Creative Suite has such a kind of hold over the market Um it would be very difficult for them to build something from scratch and actually look to be credible as competition.
0: I would agree with that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. So, so I the only the only way they could go is they could maybe uh, purchase one of um, Adobe's competitors in that space and then try and turn it into an Apple product. I don't yeah. think they would can't try and build it build it from the from the base. And I don't know whether there's anything that really. <sighs> I mean, it kind of depends on what you want to do. Photoshop is now so large; mm-hmm. you could probably carve out a subset of Photoshop's features, and and make a success of that as a much lighter, you know, fleece or a foot program rather than trying to take Photoshop head on. Well, Photoshop be-
3: has such that has you know such a a rich variety of of plugins that um, I guess part of the problem may be. You know, not not so much getting people to buy the program, but but getting other developers to support it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I, I guess guess that will be part of it. I, I don't know, really. I mean, if you look at, at things like Acorn and Pixelmator, I mean, they do a pretty good job of 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 doing something you know that's Photoshop like, yeah, but Photoshop ish, exactly. And and for a lot a lot of you know quick edits and that sort of thing, they're they're perfectly fine at doing the job.
0: Yeah, I have recently downloaded GIMP to give it a try, but because I don't want to really invest in another CS3 or CS4 or whatever. Uh, right. It, uh, and plus, I, I'm so used to those apps, uh, that suite of apps that yeah, I know them, and to, to switch over, I feel it would just slow me down.
3: Well are, are there is there a series of tools that you typically use on Photoshop that you know, I mean is, is there a subset that you use that you know, if it was on another program that you could be pretty comfortable with? Even if it didn't yeah, have I all the so. bulk of, of you know, Photoshop itself?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think so. I mean, I, right now I'm just doing a lot of image editing, and 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 again, I don't actually edit my images a whole lot in Photoshop. Um, I, I pretty much do everything in Lightroom. But um, I don't know. It just depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing a, a graphic design pro uh, uh, design project, um, you know, I'll probably do Photoshop and Illustrator both. It just kind of depends on what I'm doing. Um, and those kind of things, the freelance projects come in sporadic, you know, I don't really get them a whole lot, but when I do I, I want to be able to have the tools there to, to do it. Right. And then I wanna to have to relearn another program for that for that small project.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so that would probably be quite a bit along the 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 price of, of the the barrier for Apple to, to come out with a competing program.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, certainly. Um, I mean, if you're if you're kind of moving beyond snapshots into getting a bit more serious about your photography, then uh, either Lightroom or Aperture is a is a good thing to look at. Um, what what they're also very good at doing is is taking a set of settings like a crop and exposure and and white balance and that sort of thing and and pushing them over a large number of images. Right. So um, you can really you can build up quite an efficient workflow. If you're doing the same, I mean, typically if you like, if you, if you go to a birthday party or something like that and you shoot, you know, 30, 40 pictures, even, even as a, as a snapshot, um, you know, photographer, the kind of the light conditions for the majority of those pictures will be the same. So, um, using a program like this, it's very easy to kind of get the, uh, adjustments, to the photos that you need to make them look right and then apply them over a whole pile of images Right. So, if if you're in that position where you you know rather than just take what comes out of the camera and print it and, and you don't really care how it looks as long as you can see people's face and that sort of thing, then these programs aren't for you. But if you're interested in kind of modifying the images in any way, um, even if you're not using a DSLR but you're just using JPEG, um, these these um, these programs are worth a look. And both of them are available as a free trial. Uh, 30 day trial and um, Lightroom actually is, has a has a version 3 beta available now that's also free so I'd encourage anybody who's interested to go up and, and load them have a look and it doesn't cost you anything and see whether they'll whether they do, they'll do it for you is Aperture, is aperture uh, Intel, Intel only, Intel only? <gasps> Jim I'm going to have to drop you out the call and bring you back because we've had some interference at your end ok ok <laughs> Oh, I hate when
3: that happens.
0: Okay, how's this sound? That, oh, that's that is gym. much better. Yeah, that's, that's I hope better. it was just Skype and not me. <laughs>
2: no, it was I, think, I, think it, I think it was Skype, yeah.
3: So where were we? Uh, we were still talking about Aperture and Lightroom. And some and of the I, alternate I, programs that you could possibly use in, in replacement of uh,
2: Photoshop.
0: And I, I was going to ask uh, if I asked you if uh, Aperture was Intel only.
2: Um, I don't believe it is, no um, but I would just have to check that, certainly uh, because it one of the advantages I think of it not being updated so much recently is that it will run on uh, older systems, but because it uses core image and that sort of thing, it it really does take avi- it it's able to take advantage of the newer systems and certainly if you've got a B for your graphics card that can help things so, um you will you will get better performance from it if you have an intel system but uh, I don't believe that it actually requires I'm just having a look on Apple's website now
0: um, I thought about downloading it maybe and trying it out yeah. but no it's, it says says
2: here um a power mac g5 with a 1.6 or faster g5 processor will run aperture so and and an imac with a 1.8 or faster g5 so if you're a g5 or a 4 user even a powerbook g4 it says will hmm. Will uh, will run Aperture. So um, if you're running an older system, that definitely might be worth a look.
0: Yeah, because the next version of Lightroom, Lightroom three, only. is Intel only. So yeah, hmm.
2: yeah. the the key The key requirements with with Aperture, as I say, are not so much the processor; it's the graphics card you've got in your system, because um, it uses that graphics engine to do a lot of the rendering. So um, there are some limitations on the type of graphics card you have in your system for that okay so um you're just uh, on the apple uh, specs page it's got all the details there and as i recall aperture will if you try and install it on a system that that it doesn't support it will tell you straight off so uh, download the trial and have a go and, and see whether it'll do the job okay okay well that's great jim it's been a real pleasure having you on yeah um Thanks for Thanks having for, me on. It's been great. Good time. It's, uh, it's been good to speak to you again and hearing about all your uh, latest adventures in, in Mac and Apple and iPhone and that sort of thing. So um, just give us a reminder, where uh, where's the best place for people to go to find out about you and your photography?
0: Uh, jimfelder.com or Twitter. Um, I do want to point out, too, I, I do some, some uh, T-shirt designs and graphics, stuff like that, and I have a site called Gifts. Gifts, shirts, and more.com. Oh, make sure you that. give us
2: the links to that. Yes, I yep. will. We'll, we'll make sure that
0: lot, uh, we've got all... I've got a lot of Mac uh, Mac designs on there for, for all you Mac geeks.
2: Cool. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe Guy, we should order something up before we go to World, so we've got something to wear.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I still have
2: my, uh, my black shirts that uh, Tim passed out last year. Cool. Well, uh... Maybe I'll have to get something. Well, Jim's just sent me all the links to those, so I'll definitely make sure that those are all in the in the show notes. So, uh, as I say, Jim, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on, and um, we look forward to uh, to telling you all about what we're up to at Macworld in the next couple of weeks.
0: That's great. Thanks a lot, guys. And thank you for listening to the
1: MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to podcast at com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, my photo tech podcast your own victory garden and sam's cool Picks.
3: all available in itunes